Thank you for joining us on the Lake Point Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people connect with Jesus in everyday life through everyday relationships. Be sure to check back each Tuesday for new messages, and we hope that you're encouraged by today's word. Stay standing for just one moment. I'm going to read some scriptures for you, and I think it's appropriate to, to stand while we do so. Just a small slice of the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, starting with line 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now you may be seated. Thanks so much. So Joseph is really kind of a background character in the Christmas story. Is he not? Uh, well, we, we all know that he's there, but what, what difference does this guy actually make to Christmas? None of us can really say. He has no biological skin in the, in, in the story of the Christmas game. Uh, not once does our scripture ever record Joseph opening his mouth and saying something meaningful uh, to us. And uh, we all just know that <clears throat> from amongst all these witnesses that take the account of the story together... So little is said about him. In fact, this little spotlight moment that Joseph is given by Matthew, the other three people that write the story of Christmas don't even bother to mention that he had that interaction with the angel. We all know Mary is a really huge deal to the Christmas story. Also, the angels and the star, that's, that, that's a big deal as well. No, nobody doubts that. The wise men, shepherds, they also seem to have their special place. But when you go over to your nativity set, it's like, Is that Joseph or one of the shepherds? No one knows. No one cares. By all estimates, the barn animals are probably more important to your nativity set than than Joseph is. Because without cattle, without sheep, that's a big deal. But no Joseph, no big deal. But even so, he's in the story. And I think there's something for you and I there to really think on that. His story, by contrast, gives us Two Tales to Christmas. His storyline is another one of those just background characters that kind of represent the baseline of normal, conventional, logical, expected. And in that, I believe it's a storyline that both you and I will resonate very immediately with. And when you understand that background baseline of normal, then it's the foreground of what God's really doing that pops off the pages and creates an invitation for you and I to respond to God in our everyday lives. 
I just feel the need to pray one more time before we jump into today's message, so if you don't mind bowing with me. Father, I pray that, that our hearts would, would move gently with you today, kind of some sensitive subjects that we're going to open up through looking deep into what Joseph may have experienced, may have felt. And God, in the middle of that, I pray that this would be a safe place where we feel what we genuinely feel, and we do it in a way that we get to hand it to you. And see what new you might do with us this Christmas season. For your glory again, we pray. Amen. So Christmas, for our buddy Joseph, sucked. I don't think there's a better way to explain it, and it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to get into this guy's shoes, where he's genuinely confused, uh, even hurt. Uh, Christmas, in a best-case scenario for a guy like Joseph, would, would cause a considerable amount of grief. In a worst-case scenario, Christmas morning would have caused a considerable amount of bitterness. Uh, the fellow's about to be married. And it doesn't matter what, what day or what culture you're living in. Marriage is always a big deal. We all know there's something really sacred when that commitment co- comes together. And, and in the middle of that, just, just think of how he would have felt. You, you know, like... A good, Nowadays, uh, we get ready for a wedding, and that means you, you got to get, open up your gift registry and, and your Pinterest account, right? Like, like, that's our version. Back then, there was so much more fanfare and build-up to it, where the parents on both sides went through multiple, multiple conversations to bring this relationship together. And there's a considerable amount of savings that Joseph needed to go through to be able to provide for this. Until he was ready to afford a home of his own, he couldn't marry her. Until he was, had the savings to pay for a dowry to, to her family, he couldn't get married. Until he even included in that dowry something to the effect of what was life insurance back then. So that if he passed, they need to know that their daughter Mary was still going to be taken care of. So like three layers of savings that this guy is going through. And then back then in those times, a, a wedding wasn't just a, an event date with a couple hours and an evening reception. The thing went on all week. Multiple days and involved people you invited, involved people you didn't invite. The whole town kind of got in on the fun and festivities of, of, of a wedding ceremony. But with that being the plan, now she's pregnant. And he's for darn sure that, that it's not his child. How would Joseph feel about that? I mean, we, we, we kind of run through these stories. We all know that this is the Christmas story, and so we just jump on to the next page of what's going to happen. But think for a moment. This is a real person. His life, his marriage, and now it looks like she's been with another man. But then he finds out, oh, no, 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 don't, don't worry. It's not another man. She's actually been with, with, with God. A, how does that work? And B, is that supposed to make you feel a- any better? How, how do you think Joseph feels about the God in, in, in this situation? Where do you even go through with the ceremony anymore? Does it feel like the important special day that it's supposed to be? Do you, do you still invite everyone from town around to come and celebrate with you? Or, or are you worried they're going to look down on you, on the two of you, for, for what it looks like? And then when it, when it comes to the part about doing what married people normally do on married people's marriage nights... It says right here he, he, he took a pass on it. And, and it remained that way until Jesus was born. Now I'm, I know there's a lot of aspects to why marriage is a great thing. 
Let's just say that that one thing's actually kind of like, like a big deal. And to think that this guy is saying that part of my life is just going to disappear because God took my bride. And I'm supposed to be okay with it. I'm guessing that wedding ceremony was more on the melancholy side for Joseph and Mary and their family. I'm guessing that first year of marriage actually felt pretty rocky between the two of them. I'm guessing that Joseph spent his share of time crying, grieving. I'm guessing Christmas morning came around and Christmas got associated with a time of grieving a loss of something that was his and it doesn't quite feel like his anymore. I'm guessing that Joseph might have felt like God was out to get him. How about you? What do you feel every year when Christmas comes around? Is Christmas one of those seasons that get associated with a heavy heart for you? Has Christmas even gone so far as to feel sometimes that maybe God is out to get you? You know, when Christmas comes around, and uh, whether it's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and I'm getting together with family, brunch, lunch, and one of the things that I always do, I don't, I don't know why it only happens at that time of year, but every time I get together for a Christmas gathering with my folks, aunts, uncles, grandma, doesn't matter whose house, I look at the family picture on the wall. That, that's the time of year I notice it. And you can't help but noticing the people that, that are in the, the family picture that, that aren't at the dinner table. For me, it's grandpa. You know, he, he, he passed away 22 years ago. I still miss him. He, he was one of the kindest, gentlest men that, that I've ever known in my life. And I would have loved for him to have been there when I graduated or been there when I got married or my, my, my three fantastic sons. I, I'd love for them to get to enjoy grandpa the way, the way I do. And for, for whatever reason, it's Christmas that brings out that, that memory. Tell, tell you another person I, I tend to remember around Christmas time, my, my, my punk uncle who cheated and divorced my, my aunt, right? And now I remember Christmas dinner after Christmas dinner for the next five years that follows where she, she's crying over, over the meal, trying to get over her broken heart. And everyone's got their own stories. It might be in the illness camp, it might be a loss, a strain, a breakup, a fallout, whatever heading that your story goes under. I'm no psychologist, and I don't exactly know how it works, but it kind of seems like when this time of year comes around and it pushes those relationships closer together than unlike it is at any other time of the year, somehow that underscores for us, here's also the relationships that got pulled apart for one reason or another. And that heavy heart happens. And if you've had enough of those stories in your life, or if the stories that you have had have gone deep enough, some of us even come out feeling this time of year like God's out to get me. Because I've lost so much and I've hurt so much. And this is the time of year where I remember it. That's one of the storylines of Christmas. That's one take on it. Whereas a lot of us could very rightly feel like God is out to get you, you got another character in the story called Mary who believed that Christmas means that God is out to gift you. 
Uh, you see, here's, here's her response to, to the same announcement that she is with child. It says this uh, in Luke chapter 1. I'm just going to read a few lines of her response. She turns it into a song. And it says in verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's going to be my name. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. See, it's the same announcement. The, the, the two of them are going through the exact same stuff. It's supposed to be the same wedding. It's supposed to be the same marriage. It's going to look the same way around time. I think Mary's actually got a little bit of a harder scenario because she's the one who's got to pass along the message, a very unbelievable message of how this pregnancy has come about. But even so, instead of taking the, the, the angle of God is out to get me, she says, I believe God is out to gift me. Even in the middle of the hardship, even in the midst of a really difficult situation, this is how I'm going to see the thing. Joseph in the other camp is looking to get out of the situation. That's what the divorce is all about. When you believe that God is out to get you, you as quick as you can, you get out of that situation. And he's looking to run. He's looking to disappear. Whereas Mary, because she believes there's going to be a gift in this moment, she's going to continue to walk through it until that gift is realized. I've told several times uh, at this church my, my story of childhood cancer. I hope I'm not wearing it out at, at this point. At the end of the day, when subjects like this come around, it's, it's the story I've got, and therefore, I guess you've got to listen to it all over again. You know, at the age of 15, having cancer, um, that whole situation got spun around in that moment and in the two and a half decades since has one of the biggest gifts that God could ever give me. Now, don't hear me say that lightly because I didn't always see it as a gift. And there, there's no way I'd ever want to go through all that again. There's no way I'd wish that on, on anyone else. Um, and, and, you know, to, to this day, I, I still have medical complications that are related to these invasive surgeries they did 20, 25 years ago. All right, but this, this is still my story, a story in which it very much could have been viewed as though God was out to get me. And given enough time, he spun it around to a situation where I very much see how he was out to gift me. Now, I'm not going to give you any formulas, no multi-step approaches. Like this, this is sensitive stuff, right? When your life and your own application, but I'm at least going to put a few bullet points out there today of how I've seen and experienced for myself the, the, the get you moments turning into gift you moments. So here, here it is. One of them is active grieving. That's an important part of it. I, you know, looking back, I, I think I could have been a pretty darn good basketball player in high school. Instead, I turned out to be a pretty average player on a pretty below average team. That was my story. There, there are some lifestyle things that I wish I could do right now, like, like running, Marathon people seem like the coolest people in the world. Like, that would be a bucket list for me. And there's some things that I like to do with my boys that are more active than I'm doing it now. Why? Because what I went through with cancer, my, my body just won't let me anymore. Um, my leg has, has caused me some degree of pain on a daily basis for 25 years now. 
Most days it's not a big deal. Sometimes it's a big deal. But 25 years of a pain that you can't shake, you know, it, it kind of adds up. And it makes me sad. And I think being sad is, is the starting point uh, of letting God into it. <clears throat> maybe some of those things I just listed off, maybe that's trivial, trivial for you. Like, who, who cares if the kid had a good, uh, played some good games in high school? And but you've got to understand, like, this was the stuff that, that matters to me. This, this is my list. You, you can do your story the way you want. But at least as far as I'm concerned, this is the stuff that mattered to me. And I lost it. And when you lose something that matters to you, you're supposed to grieve it. That's, that's how it works. What, what good does it do for you to be dishonest with, with what you're feeling? It, it doesn't do any good. And if you're going to be honest with, with, with someone, get honest with God. I mean, even if you're angry about it, and even if you're struggling with trusting him, like, understand this, God can handle you. There's been many occasions in my life where I'm, I'm pretty sure that I was, I was yelling at God. I, I'm not proud of it. I'm not advocating for it. But I'm going to tell you this, that whatever it takes for you to get uh, brutally honest with exactly what you feel, until you let God into that pain that way, I don't know how you're going to let God into giving you the gift. It's part of it. Getting honest about our sadness, and it's called this thing called grief. And I think it's one of those early things that you do to let God into where it hurts. Uh, secondly, uh, open ended trust. I, I, I just trusted God all throughout childhood cancer. And, and, and for you big thinkers in the room, I don't know that I'm going to explain this in linear logical terms. I don't think trust is actually something that's going to fit into an ex- explanation or an argument. But for me, the best I would say it is, uh, for one, I, I never knew God to be wrong towards me or hurtful in any time before. So I think I took the innocent till proven guilty kind of stance. And, and the other reason was, I didn't have anyone else to turn to anyway. You know what I mean? Like, like when you're falling and you, you try all these other ropes and everything loosens up and you're still falling and there's one rope left, well, well hold on to that one, right? I mean, and that's not like the best version of, of finding faith. I, I'm not saying you should wait till you become desperate in life, but if you've tried everything else and the only thing left is faith in God, well, you hold on to that sucker as tight as you can. That's a good reason to trust God in, in that day. And I, I remember um, pretty much on a nightly basis crying, but be having a smile on my face while crying and, and wrapping all of that up in this thing called prayer. And, and for me, that's, that's my definition of what trust looks like. When, when the tears are flowing from your eyes, but you still got a smile on your face and prayers are coming out of your heart, when those three things are coming out at the same time, that's an open-ended picture of trust, of God, I don't know where your goodness is going to show up next, but I think it is going to be there. I mean, instead of being a skeptic or a cynic waiting for God to prove himself, there's sometimes you get to a spot where you might as well just trust God until, until he's proven untrustworthy. Because there's some grief that's just so deep, it's so heavy that honestly the, the people you married and the family you got around you, they can't necessarily go with you into, into that pit when it's that deep and it's that dark. And 
Sometimes not even your therapist can go there. That's a place where God can go where no one else can. And trust is what invites him into that deep, dark spot. And starting to list, so what are we going to do now that we're here? And what gift takes me back up again? Number three, uh, prayer and people. Man, I, I just, I remember there was a prayer moment. Where my folks took me to one of the elders of, of my church growing up, said, my son's about to have a surgery. It says there in James 5, let's, let's have the elders pray for him. And the, my children's pastor came along as well. I just want to say, the elders at your church matter and how they carry you to God. And uh, your children's pastor matters. The fact that your kids got, got a pastor right now, they get to call theirs. And, and this thing called prayer, and we do it so often in Lake Point Church in, in our services, prayer matters. Because I can still tell you what my children's pastor prayed for me before my surgery and how much that spoke to my heart and got my heart ready to experience all this, this mess as some kind of gift from God and how, how I held on to that. And that was just the start of it, too. After her prayer, other people you know, came alongside me, my folks, my brother, my sister, and uh, with their presence, yes, but with their prayers as well. Whether it was prayers in person or prayers on the side, it, it didn't matter. Uh, nowadays, for me, it's, it's my missional community, like some people that really want to hear what's really going on with me. And their support for me is a prayerful kind of support. I, I truly believe that the way we're going to experience God in intangible ways is through the love of the people that he puts around us in our lives. And if, if the people around you matter... Make sure you got prayerful people around you as well. Because something different happens when it's not just a friend. It's a friend who's going to join you at a spiritual level and, and pray you through it. Number four, hearing God's voice. Um, it's not just about praying in God's direction. Of God, I'm in need. God, I need. God, I need. At the end of that prayer time, sometimes just getting quiet enough that you're not busy moving on to the next thing, you, you can hear God's voice in those moments. Or, or what I started doing during my childhood cancer, that's the first time I started opening the Bible for myself on a regular basis and, and, and reading it. Why? Because when you're really in a state of grief and, and you're trying to figure out how to, how to make this turn to finding the gift, you, you need God to speak into that grief to... Say, here, here, here's where the gift is today. Here's where my presence is right now. Here's where there's something to lift your heart up when it feels like your heart is headed in, in, in a bad direction. It's not God's voice. I, I don't know how to make up that childhood cancer is going to be a good thing. It's either I have a great God out there who's determined to turn it that way or, or it wasn't. So I needed him to be the one to say it. Um, and one more I'll point out. Now, these, these aren't linear, and they, they do play off each other, but it's not like here's how it all moves. It just had to stick numbers on it. So here's your last one. Um, giving what you've been gifted is important. I think I've said it before that uh, it, it wasn't childhood cancer that uh, made me a Christian. I was a Christian already. But it was because of childhood cancer that God made me your, your pastor. I, I, I don't... I'm sure I would not be here standing in front of you doing, doing what I'm doing right now if I hadn't gone through it all. Because here, here, here's where the gift showed up. When you're going through something like that, all of life around you gets stripped down to the essentials. 
Uh, you figure out what matters, what doesn't. Also, you see how, just how much people around you matter and how so many of the material, material side of things or the things that we strive for, you, it kind of gets put back into perspective quite a bit. And then, and then you, you, you're running to God as, as he really is. Not God as you imagined him to be. Not, not God as you wished he would be, but when you were in that moment of honest clarity and listening and learning, you see God as he actually is. And you learn to walk with him as he actually is. And I'm not sure what, what bigger gift there is in life. You know, you know how your kids matter. You know how growing up your mom matter, you she still matters now. You, you know how the person you married matters, right? Like people matter so much. Relationships are like some of those, the, the, the few things in life that really, really matter. How about a relationship with the God you came from? Where people move in and out of life and, 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 and let you down and break your heart and sometimes just, just can't be everything you need them to be. But then you have an all-powerful, all-present God who says, well, you and I for eternity together and let me really open up this relationship with you and get it going. He got that going with me through, through the, the, the mixture of the cancer thing and everything that followed in the, the, the years that have come since. What, what better gift could someone be given? And what it turned around and did in my heart is realize that if I got that gift, then I got something I can give to other people as well, I can, I can put God into some words that maybe someone else could understand. I could take a look into someone else's hurts and maybe explain how, how, how God meets you there. If nothing else, I can take love as I have so truly known it from God. I can turn around and try to love other people out of that same kind of love. And, and you can do the same thing. You, you can turn your greatest hurt it's your greatest gift that you get to give others. It's shaped you in some way. And if you welcome God into it, now you got a way that you can pass it on to other people. I guess all in all, what I'm, what I'm saying is there's a tale of two Christmases. Which kind of Christmas do you want to have? You, you, you want a Joseph, another Joseph kind of Christmas? Or you want a Merry Christmas? You want a Christmas that, that looks around at all, all the strains you've gone through and says, it looks like God's out to get me? Or do you want to find a way to transform that into, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure God's out to gift me. And if you want to do that, then you, you, you kind of go through some stuff like this. Like, go ahead and grieve. Be sad at Christmas time. That, that's okay. That's a part of it. We've, we've lost some stuff. And it's, it's okay to be sad. And, and God says, cast all your anxieties on me. I... I'm the one who cares for you. If you're, if you're heavy burden, come to me. I, I got a yoke. You can, you can walk it out with me. Trust. You know, not by sight. We walk by faith. And honestly, how's it working out with trusting in some of the things that you can see? One by one, the list is getting smaller. Those ropes are disappearing. And when you're done, one of them's still going to be left. When you get to the day, hold on to that one tight. People and prayer. Man, I hope you got someone in your life right now. 
that you genuinely can count on to pray for you. And if, if not, stick with Lake Point long enough. We'll put those people in your life. Come the new year. We talk about this thing called missional communities. And we, we want people around you in a spiritual way that'll pray you through hearing from God. Scriptures are waiting right there, and you can open up, and God will say something to you through them. And giving your gift, seeing it as a gift, whatever it is that you walk through with God, and knowing that you can turn around and walk someone else through the same. I think this is the kind of stuff we go through if we want to turn around and in the end have a merry kind of Christmas. Merry as an M-A-R-Y where we can say together like she did in Luke chapter 1, verse 48, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I got a gift. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Those are your two versions of Christmas. Let me pray for you now. got a prayer. This time of year, maybe we've, we're quite familiar with it and we kind of felt it. Maybe we haven't quite said that prayer to you. We got people we miss. We got dreams we got reminded of. And God, if we're honest with our hearts, there's felt like you're out to get us it seems like we lost so much that was important to us. Is there a gift here? Is there a gift? And if, if so, we want to see it. If so, we want to feel it. Make yourself known. Make your love true. Because so many of our hearts need it right now. Give us that kind of Christmas. The one that Mary experienced and sang about. For your glory in our lives, we pray. Thank you again for listening today. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we'd love to hear all about it. Send an email to info at lakepointmuskego.org. The best way to keep up to date with all that's happening at Lake Point is to follow us at Lake Point Muskego on Instagram and Facebook. We hope to see you again here soon.